Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday, and welcome back to the podcast. It's Q&A Wednesday, which means I'm answering your questions. And today I'm answering a few questions that were texted in, covering things like the stress and rest lines, can sevens be introverted, how to figure out your type if you're struggling to know your why, and more. But first, today's Rosebud and Thorn. My rose for today, actually all of these are about kind of the same thing. So my rose for today is that I have been doing more corporate trainings. I did a lot of those in 2019 and then in 2020, obviously those decreased. But as 2021 is is kind of gearing back up, people are bringing in more people for trainings, even virtually. So that is so, so fun for me. I just think bringing the Enneagram into your workplace is such a gift to your team and to your people. And every Enneagram type works and communicates and thinks so differently that it gives us an opportunity to really honor the strengths of each Enneagram type. And then also to work with like, how does this person like to be communicated with and how can we give them a better work experience? I just think it's so important. So that's been really fun. And then my bud is I'm getting prepped for a training I have this week, actually tomorrow, and feeling really jazzed about the fact that we can do these meetings virtually because um, I missed them. (laughs) I think we're just getting more used to doing things virtually now. And, um, you know, we're bringing people in virtually in a way that we weren't quite you know, toward the end of 2020, we were able to do it, but 2021, it's like, we're ready to go. Let's do it. Let's just bring people in. And it's been so awesome. And my thorn is that I miss doing them in person. Like, I'm so grateful that we can do them virtually. And I think that's awesome. And I cannot wait until it is safe for me to hug you guys again. I just really miss being able to meet all of you, to be able to do this kind of work in person. There's something, there's just nothing like doing a training like that or speaking at a conference where you get to kind of feed off of the energy of people. And it's just so much, so much fun. I always feel like I leave like buzzing and super excited about the work we're doing in the world and I miss it. But let's dive into today's questions. The first question that came in is, I am a four and I have found that I tend to show healthy seven traits in growth and unhealthy eight traits in stress. Since my growth number one goes to seven in growth and my stress number two goes to eight in stress, would this just be an extension of my growth and stress numbers? Is this something that occurs for others too, or is this too many degrees down the stress growth arrows to be more universally applicable? Um, So my answer to this is really just first that technically this isn't the way the system is laid out, right? Like we don't really do like second degree stress and growth numbers, but who am I to tell you how you experience stress and rest? I do have a couple of guesses as to what this could be that does keep these things within the framework. So for that seven move, I actually think that there's some similarities between healthy four life and healthy seven life. Um, 
meaning that you go from you know, looking for what's missing to savoring the moment. Now, this looks different for the two types. For type fours, there's kind of this comfort with longing, um, you know, thinking like, oh, there's always something more I could want or something more I could have or, okay, this is good, but it could be better in this way or, you know, kind of idealizing things in your mind and then being disappointed when those things don't live up to your expectations. Um and so in that way, learning to be really grateful for the here and now is a really healthy thing for force to do outside of just the stress and rest lines. It's really just a levels of health thing. The same way for type sevens, you know, type sevens do it in a different way. They tend to idealize the future. Like, okay, this is hard right now, but like in the future, things are going to be great. And, you know, I talk about like when I went to Paris for the first time, how I had like been planning this trip and so excited. And I was just waiting for the moment when I would be at the Eiffel Tower. And then as I'm standing in front of the Eiffel Tower, I look to the person I'm traveling with and I'm like, oh, I can't wait for us to go on a road trip when we get home. And it's like that lack of presence, right? I, I've been planning for this, but it's like almost like the planning was the fun part. Um, the dreaming about the future and like everything was going to be magical um, to the point where Sometimes the planning is the fun and I forget to be in the moment here and now, but also things can't really live up to the way that I planned them, right? Things are never quite as thrilling or exciting as I wanted them to be. And so that can cause me to kind of want to exit the exit that situation. Or maybe I think like in the future, I won't feel sad, but I'm sad. And so I need to always be perpetually in the future, thinking about the future, and so in that way, again, savoring the moment, being here and now, enjoying what is, is also a healthy thing for our sevens. But again, they're different. So um, I would guess that could be some element of why you're feeling connected to seven. And then for the eight move, um, I would be curious if maybe your subtype could be a sexual four because sexual fours can in general look like eights. So um, there could be some element of that at play as well. But at the end of the day, I think to keep it within the framework, it doesn't really work with the lines. However, I've talked before about the fact that I really believe we all have every number within us. And so um, maybe you have really quick access to type seven and eight, and it's just kind of, they're kind of high up there on what you feel connected to and how quick you kind of respond in those ways. So um, I'm not one for hard and fast black and white rules. And the Enneagram is such a big theory with so many different schools of thought that I don't feel confident telling you like, no, on this one. But I will say as the system is laid out, this isn't really a thing that is like within the system. But, you know, those are kind of the ways in which I think it could be showing up. Or you can make it fit into the system, basically. All right, the next question is, my name is India. Hi, India. And I am a longtime fan. Yay, thank you. I thought I was a five for the longest time because it's what my best friend at the time wanted me to be. But I really think I'm a seven. But I know for a fact I'm introverted. Is it possible to be an introverted seven? Okay, so this depends on who you ask. There are people who are adamant that you cannot be an introvert and a seven. Like, they will fight you over it. And they are in my DMs and they are fighting me over it all the time. <laughs> so um, some people will give you like a, a clear cut, like absolutely not, not a thing. Then there are a lot of sevens who are like, I'm a seven and I'm introverted. So who am I to tell you who you are? I'm not that. I, that's not my job. Um, 
I would rather ask you really good questions to get you closer to knowing who you are yourself, right? So I am not one of those people who is like hard and fast, I'm going to fight you over it. Although I do think the structure tends to be a bit more extroverted in nature. Specifically, I say independent extroverts, meaning they are likely to get their energy from being around people, but they want a significant amount of independent alone time. So, um, you know, as a seven myself, I think about it more like I don't want to be alone, but I don't want to be obligated to anyone. I like to be in a room full of people where no one knows my name. Like that's a really good feeling, but I still get my energy from other people. Um, now, a lot of times type nines and sevens can get confused. And if someone is still typing themselves, which I'm not sure that you are, but let's say you're still looking for your type um, and you aren't quite sure where you land and you relate to a lot of aspects of seven, but are really deeply introverted, I'm often inclined to ask if about type nine and kind of lead you, um, give you some questions, kind of sussing out if maybe you're actually a type nine and you've been mistyped. Or sometimes I do that with type five as well because there is that connecting line. And, um, but I will say if you've explored type five and you really know like that's not who I am, um, but you're still kind of not sure if you're a seven or not, I would play with type nine and see if you relate to that. Um, your best friend being able to kind of impact your understanding of yourself may also be an indicator that you're a type nine. I think we're all susceptible to that. Like I know I was when I was typing. So I'm not saying it's only type nines who could be influenced by the people in their life. I think that's human nature. But I would say um, that nines might struggle with that more than other types. So um, it might be worth exploring type nine as a structure if if you still are deciding on your on your type. And at the end of the day, this is your journey. So let yourself explore what parts of you are type seven for as long as you need. And then maybe type nine or five too, if that feels right. Um, I really just don't think there's any need to rush this because the journey itself, figuring out what part of you is each number is good information either way, right? Like you are still learning who you are just because you aren't able to kind of put yourself in this one little pocket doesn't mean that the journey is not beneficial. So take your time. Don't rush the process. Play with what part of you is a type seven. Um, and then if, again, if you're still looking for your type, maybe play with type nine. All right. Next question is, I've seen a lot of people struggle to confirm their type, getting stuck between two types. One of the two is often focused on how they support other people or their bad behavior. So people thinking like, oh, I'm a perfectionist, so I'm type one, or I'm a workaholic, so I'm type three. Um, I know it's not, it's not about, I know it's about the why, not the what, but some people struggle to figure out their why. Do you have any advice? Yes. So one way that I've done this is to start with the behavior and then to ask questions about why that behavior exists. So for example, if someone identifies as a workaholic, then we can go underneath that asking questions about what that means to them. So um, really getting clear on like, what does it look like when you overwork? Why are you overworking? Um, what do you wish it would look like? And so when they tend to overwork, you know, we can get some answers. We may find out that they're afraid of saying no, which could point us toward types nine, two, or six. Or we could find that they're, they're afraid of sitting still, which could point us to type seven, eight, one, or three. Um, and that can kind of help us to get narrowed in a little bit. Now, another helpful tool is to start with stances. So really figuring out, are they future-oriented and quick to take action? Then maybe they're an assertive type. 
do they want to find their role and make sure that they're fulfilling that role to make their compliant type? Are they, you know, the type to move away when conflict arises? And could they be that could make them a withdrawing type? Which I have a whole episode just on stances. If that's something that you are listening to this, you're interested in, you could go listen to that as well. Um, but so we could that will narrow us down to three types. Um, you know, assertive types, three, the three assertive types or the three withdrawing types or the three compliant types. And then you can narrow down via heart, head, and gut center through informed questions about each of these as well. So if I can really narrow down like, oh, this person's clearly in the heart center and they're a compliant type, then I pretty much know they're a type two, um, you know, or most of the way there. And if they relate to type two on top of that and feel very connected to it, and it makes them feel very seen when they read the descriptions of it, we kind of have our answer, right? Um, yeah. So I would focus in on like, get underneath the what. If they're having a hard time identifying their why, just ask them really good questions about the what so that you can get into why is the what happening, right? Okay. So the next question is, um, hi, my name is Abby. Hi, Abby. I am a nine and my sister is a four. We have a close relationship, but we have a hard time understanding and supporting each other's emotional reactions to things. That makes sense. I try to emphasize, empathize with her, but sometimes it truly feels like I am un unable to access the same emotions that she's feeling, or maybe I just don't want to. Any tips for this dynamic? Love your Instagram. Yay. Thank you. Okay. So the first thing is the more we allow for ourselves, the more we allow in others. Meaning as a type nine, when you tend to like numb your emotions, then the, the natural reaction is to want to numb the emotions of others too, right? If, we, if our capacity for emotionality is so low, then when other people come to us with their emotionality, we are like, whoa, 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 calm down, you know? Um, and the same thing for her, you know, if whatever she's rejecting in herself, she's more inclined to reject in you. Now, um, and for her, that would be like numbing to your emotions, denying your emotions. So it makes sense that there's some tension in that area for you all because you do relate to them so differently. So the first thing is really focusing in on working on your own end of the street, you know, giving your getting in tune with your own emotions will help you to be more comfortable with the, her emotions. And for her finding like healthy ways to kind of move through and recognize when does an emotion need to be validated and when does it need to just be kind of like moved through, um, kind of getting a little bit more particular about what she's giving her emotional energy to will help her to understand your tendency to do that as well. So that's number one, work with yourself. The second is just as simple as meditation. Like meditation will increase your capacity for other people like a hundredfold. Um, so I think that that's just a simple, even if it's just a five or 10 minute meditation a day, um, especially if you're like, okay, I know I'm going to engage with my sister today. Or we're going to talk about something, you know, you can intentionally choose to meditate and that's going to create that space for you to be a little bit slower in your reactions. And then I really think when it comes to like type specific fours, they need their emotions mirrored back to them. So what that just means is it doesn't necessarily mean you need to match their energy around their emotions, but you can as simply as just repeat their emotions back to them. So if a four, you know, if your sister says to you, like, I'm so frustrated that the flowers aren't growing. <laughs> I'm making, I looked out the window and saw flowers. I'm so frustrated the flowers aren't growing. You can say, man, it sounds like you're really frustrated that the flowers aren't growing. 
you don't have to you don't have to match the tone, but you can mirror back, you know, reflect back like I see you because that's what fours really want is they want to be seen and witnessed. And the last thing is just don't they don't want advice, right? And I, I don't think nines tend to be advice givers, but some of us are. Hello, um, that's me. Um, but fours tend to not want advice. They tend to just want to be heard and seen and witnessed. So that's another just a little tip for you in terms of the four. Um, now, the, the on the flip side, you know, our nines need to be heard so that the four will have to practice asking good questions. Fours are really good at talking about their experience and not as not some some can be you know as they grow um but some fours can really struggle with being curious about other people so um they're gonna have to ask practice asking good questions from our nine and really being really diligent about not immediately responding um with your own experience so focus in on like remaining curious about your the nine in your life um, i like to say ask a question Wait for them to answer all the way to the end. Wait three seconds just in case there's more to say and then ask another question. This is going to show the nines in your life that you really, really care about them because, again, you have to remember that nines received the message somewhere along the way, whether it's self-inflicted or inherited from someone else, that their voice doesn't matter. And so by asking questions, being waiting for them to fully answer, and then asking another question, you're saying like, I care about what you have to say. Um, and I think that that message can get lost, especially in a four nine dynamic. Um, so yeah, those are, that's kind of my advice for you guys type specifically, but just remember at the end of the day, both of you just want to be heard and seen. I mean, we all want to be heard and seen, but nines and fours specifically need that in their own way. All right. Thank you all so much for sending your questions in. If you have Enneagram questions, you can call or text them in to 828-338-9127. Now, today's food for thought is from Akirak Roast. I think I Akirak Roast. I think I pronounced that correctly. Don't be in such a rush to reach a goal that you reach the goal before you are ready. Sometimes we learn such valuable lessons along the way. Sometimes we learn more about ourselves and discover that we actually want something different. Put your heart into what you do, but don't rush. Good things take time. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, just take a moment and leave a rating or review on iTunes. It is so helpful for podcasters like me. And I love creating this content for you. I will see you tomorrow in the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.